You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Pete Mento, and with me as always is the brilliant and, uh, and generally prepifiedly dressed Doug Draper, my mm-hmm. ride or die. Uh, Doug, how are you, buddy? Uh, it is, uh, well, first of all, I'm doing great. It's the new year, 2023. We're going to kick ass and take names, my friend. So I'm excited. I'm all about um, kicking ass, but do we have to take names? Mm, initials. Let's take initials down so people can remain anonymous. That's as far as I'll go. As a show's compliance guy, I don't think it's a good idea to keep records of whose asses we whip. So maybe, you know, maybe we could just keep them in mind, think think them through. The, the problem with Doug with hanging around me is you know, I was I was watching a couple of binging shows with Amy over over break, and I you know we're watching these these spy shows, and I'm just like you you would never you would never do this. You would ne- you would never keep records like this. You would never. It's like just shut up and watch the show. Why do you have to ruin everything? <laughs> I said, you sound like people I work with. Why do you have to ruin everything? And that's mm-hmm. exactly right. I do. I ruin everything, yeah. Doug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this one, for our, for our audience, we can't see each other this go around. So our, uh, our, our, uh, I'm talking to a black screen right now. So the uh, nuances of communicating visually as well as audibly uh, are taken away on the show. So there may be some uh, speaking over each other. So our apologies out of the gate. Welcome everyone to Global Trade This Week. This is the first episode of 2023. I hope you haven't had to write me checks or put dates on anything yet um, and get that date right. Uh, did you have a great holiday, Doug? I did, yeah. The um, kids came back from college. So that always makes a joyful household. And um, they came and went quickly. My daughter... Um, because we have this platform and we like to talk about it, she was selected on the rowing team at University of Kansas to go on a 10-day training trip down into uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So she's down there right now um, rowing and um, having a lot of fun. So I'm excited and proud of her for uh, having that accomplishment. But uh, yeah, how about you? That is awesome. How was your holiday? It was great. I, uh, I tried to catch up on sleep. It didn't really work. Um, but I had some great family time. I, I got some, I got some time without work emails and, and the such, and that was really wonderful. And I think more, more importantly, you know, at this age, Doug, how many Christmases do I have left? So I, I try to, I try to enjoy the hell out of each and every one of them, buddy. But uh, yeah. you know, en- enough of my buffoonery, my friend. We've got some great topics, and uh, you know, Global Trade this week brought to you by our friends at Cap Logistics. Uh, another year, but it's going to be the same old story, folks. It's us just absolutely crushing it with great topics about what we think is going to happen, what we believe is going on out there. And uh, with that, Doug, the floor is yours for topic number one, buddy. All right. Good. Always forward thinking. All right. So here's topic number one. This is first part of January. So there is a big event that's going to be transpiring here very shortly, and that is called Chinese New Year. Uh, We spoke about this uh, in our, our uh, uh, year-end recap. But this is the year of the rabbit, Pete. So this Chinese New Year could have an interesting hop, if you will. Um, I can't see your eye rolling or anything else that you're doing oh, based on that. Comment, I, so. I did, Doug. I did. 
<laughs> nice. So uh, here, here's the deal, right? Initially, I said that uh, Chinese New Year would have minimal impact on the supply chain. And I think I'm changing my story a little bit on that one. Um, I wouldn't say it's going to be like none other that we've experienced because that's happened in the last two years. But you've seen a lot of um, zero COVID policy uh, over in China and the way that workers have been um, reacting to it. And more specifically, I think there's been a lot of uh, explanation of how factories work uh, in China. Now, I'm not talking about you know, the manufacturing process. I'm talking about how people live and engage in these mega campuses where it's like college dormitories, communal meals, um, and you pretty much just live and work on this campus. And, you know, what transpired with the zero COVID uh, policy is that people were getting quarantined left and right. They couldn't move, they couldn't, you know, breathe and, and, and the whatnot. So, I think with Chinese New Year and all of these folks heading back uh, inland to uh, hook up with their families and spend time away for the joyous time, I've heard estimates of 100 million uh, Chinese citizens rolling back uh, to home, so to speak. And, and I still think this is more of a COVID comment, but I think that they're just going to say, you know what, it, it, it's not worth it. The, the potential of the COVID lockdown being uncertain of what's going to transpire. I know that things have changed a little bit with uh, uh, people visiting uh, China and lifting those quarantine rules, but I still think there's going to be enough workers that are not going to come back or second guess their role within the big picture of manufacturing. Uh, and I think it's going to have more um, implication uh, than, than we may think. The one thing that may um, offset that, Pete, is kind of incentive pay. When I was doing some some research on this topic this morning, I, I see it's a trend, at least that's what I've read about, where um, if you work longer hours, less days off, uh, if there really is a day off, that there'll be some incentive pay. So there is a possible that um, when the workers go home, they realize they, they, they need more money and they're going to come back. So this might be offset with incentive pay to, to, to keep things moving. But initially, Pete, I said it would be a slight uh, implication. I think it's gonna be more than slight. And we'll just see, we'll just have to see how this rabbit hops in 2023. Did you have to do the rabbit hop thing, Doug? Of course I did. You gotta start with it and end with it. Uh, anyway, uh, so I'll start with this. Uh, first of all, yep. I was chastised uh, by a coworker when I was at Wayfair for calling it Chinese New Year. Apparently, us old farts are supposed to say Lunar New Year because it's not just China that celebrates it. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know, Doug. I'm putting that in the whatever file because from the time I was I was a teenager dealing with the the disruption that comes from supply chains all over the world. We've always called it that, but to to make the the more um, sensitive people in our audience, I'm sure they're pretty uncomfortable to begin with, but I'll just, I'll just call it Lunar New Year. Okay. But you and All I right. both know what we're talking about. It's New Year. Um, I could not agree with you more that I, I feel that this is going to be um, a really difficult time for people to decide if they want to come back. But I mean, think about how many of them are working under conditions for the past couple of years, particularly this last one where they were, saying to themselves, I'm, I'm more or less imprisoned. 
in the city, more imprisoned, more I'm working, not literally, but figuratively because of these COVID restrictions. And now I've got some money heading back home. It's the largest human migration every single year. People just heading back to where they're from to spend time with family and friends. My, you and I are great examples of this. You just had your kids come home from universities for the holidays. I had my daughter come home, my youngest come home, spend time with my oldest daughter. My oldest son was home for, for part of the holidays. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just part of what happens. Well, in this instance, the difference is these people have been working really, really hard. You got to take that, buddy? You got to call. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I love new, it. New uh, computer. New computer. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, Doug and I both have new jobs, right? So we're still getting used to our new computers. So we apologize when stuff like this happens. <laughs> But when when um when this when this new migration happens and everybody heads out in in these new directions, they they may not want to go back. Add to that the fact that orders are down in China all across the board. Some people are saying as much as forty percent. So new orders are down as much as forty percent. I don't know if there's going to be the manufacturing thirst to have some of these people come back. In key industries, yeah. There'll be folks that they want to have come back, but I think a lot of industries are going to be happy to see these folks not come back, Doug. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to see this is the first big noticeable statistical uh, ripple to show that that we have a real problem with the Chinese economy, pal. Yeah, yeah, good call. All right, my friend, I like your topics for sure, so let the first one rip. Yeah, yeah this, is a, this is a brutal one to talk about. So I show up for the first real day back to work, right? The the, the Tuesday of this week, I, I walk out of the gym, turn on the phone, and it is just text message after text message, WhatsApp messages of people I used to work with at CH Robinson. Oh my God, did mm -hmm. you hear Bob B got fired? You know? Oh my God, did you hear Bob B got fired? And and I'm reading this thing and I'm like, uh, I started texting people back, I'm like, no, what what happened? And no one knew what happened. You know, it's like this industry, we are like a bunch of eighth graders, man. We, we love gossip. We're like a bunch of, you know, those old church ladies I grew up with in Texas that they couldn't yeah. wait till someone's back was trying to talk trash about them. It's, I mean, it's the saddest thing, right? So they're all talking and, and then it goes through the industry like wildfire, like all oh, the CEO of Robinson got let go. And um, I, I barely knew Bob. I, I interacted with him, you know, a couple dozen times and nice enough guy, you know, my dealings with him. Uh, and you want to talk about a tough job, right? So I don't know what happened to the poor guy. I don't know the details of what happened. But to me, it's the aftermath of this guy being out of this job, right? You you want to talk about a bizarre situation. You know, there was a, a, a large investment group that took a big part of C.H. Robinson that's really making a requirement. They're, they're, they're telling C.H. Robinson that they want to see some changes and they want to see some serious growth and what a hard time to be under that kind of pressure. Could you think of a harder time? I mean, you're, you're coming out of the, the biggest opportunity for growth we've ever had into, I mean, you just talked about it, Doug. I mean, we just talked about it. The, the China is in, is in a financial decline. The, the markets are all, all in ruin. And now you've got your board saying, keep the happy train rolling. So I don't know if anybody could have been successful. I work for a private company. I have a, a, an owner who un, made some brilliant moves with regards to the way that he did mergers and acquisitions. And he's planning on looking at the next couple of years as one where 
you know, we're going to continue to grow and do all the right things and, and make decisions based on where the market goes. We don't have to worry. I think you work for a private company too, right? We don't have to worry about what the street yep. or what investors say to us. We worry about what our owner wants to do. So, and what our customers want. It's very, very different. But what's been killing me, go on LinkedIn, go on Twitter and just read for 10 minutes the wild speculation of what they're saying mm -hmm. needs to happen next. Flexport's going to come over and they're going to merge Flexport and CH Robinson. We're going to take expediters and CH Robinson and put them together. Um, Robinson needs to sell anything that doesn't have to do with over the road NAST. Um, they need to dump all of the technology investment as, you know, bad debt into the international division and sell it off to somebody. I mean, the, the things that you're reading in there, it's, it's sort of like when I would go onto Twitter and everybody is suddenly a COVID vaccine expert. It's like, come on, man. Like, I, I think, I, I think it's a little bit early to second guess all the decisions that were made before, but more importantly, I don't think we all have a full grasp of precisely what was going on in that company. And to think that just by merging these companies, you're going to make it all better. That's madness. Um, first of all, I believe Flexport's in the, the midst of creating an initial public offering. So I don't think this is the time that the bank that owes most of that damn thing wants to do something like that. Second of all, Expeditors is a surgically well-run company. And if they were going to do an acquisition or a merger, do they really want to do it with a company whose culture is so different, who focuses on such different things? I don't think so. Now, we all know Robinson was trying to sell their international division for a long time. Um, but we, we have in this industry right now such big, impactful, scary, shake it up kind of things that are happening. And this is absolutely one of them, bud. Um, I think this isn't going to be the last one. I think that what we're seeing here is a toppling off of the head to pay for the sins of an industry. And I think we're going to see more of them. Marisk has a new chairman. Um, I don't think that was a, a firing or anything. I think that was just good timing on his part. But I think you're going to see more and more of this in our industry as the numbers begin to roll in for quarter after quarter. But Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up this this topic for sure. When, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like C.H. Robinson, from my perspective, is like the Quaker Oats cereal that your grandparents used to used to eat and maybe still eat. Right. It's the iconic jar or whatever with the uh, I can't picture a sailor or something like that. Um, it's, it's, uh, a, it's a Puritan or no, um, like an Amish guy on it. Right. Like a Quaker. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you, you could you and I could go buy one today. And you could find one in your grandmother's uh, kitchen from 50 years ago, and they would look the same, right? Tried and true. It's a staple, the whole nine yards. And from my perspective, that's kind of how C.H. Robinson has been. They're just it's a very old company, um, and, and, and that's not negative at all. Um, you know, well run for the most part from my perspective. Um, but this is just, um, you know, a call that things need to change and, and move forward. You know, we spoke about the... Um, uh, the Roaring Twenties, right, that you and I spoke about after the post-COVID. And the one thing about the Roaring Twenties in the 1920s is it took like eight, nine years for that cycle to come to fruition. The Roaring Twenties that you and I just talked about and that we just experienced collectively was like 18 months to two years. Things just move faster in, in this day and age. And I think that, um, you know, the old Quaker Oats needs to, uh, to, to move aside and, and reinvent itself. So the Flexport piece, 
very interesting to me. I know Flexport has got a little bit of static in the past for a good forward-facing tool and, uh, and, and have a good story to tell. But really, the blocking, the tackling is still guys and gals on the phone just trying to figure out how to track and trace in the decentralized um, uh, industry that we're in. So I think it's exciting. I think there's going to be some wild um, you know, speculation of what's going on. But my take is when push comes to shove, you minimize uh, your service offerings, you laser focus on what you're good at, which has been, you know, a century of truck brokerage. So I think there will be a spinoff of some of their divisions. And I don't think there'll be any acquisitions or mergers. I think they're just going to be laser focused at least for a while to uh, reset themselves. So the street has a little bit more uh, confidence in what they're doing. So it'll be an interesting discussion. I'm sure this is not the only show uh, that we'll be talking about it. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. Yeah, and to be super clear, Doug, um, I, I have a lot of really, really good friends that are still there. I mean, really close, close friends. And I have mm -hmm. a lot of respect for the company. But I think more importantly, I've got a lot of respect for the people that are there. And this is an industry that's, you know, Pete Rose used to say it all the time at Expeditors, their greatest assets are their people. And, and that's the same wherever we go. The greatest assets of, of any forwarding company, brokerage, logistics firm, it's the people that work there. So mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I did my podcast today. I did an open letter to the board of directors at CH Robinson. And what I, what I said there that I'm sure none of them will listen to is, uh, you know, don't forget you have some pretty incredible people there and it's time to listen to them. I think that there were a couple of decades where they, they lost sight of the fact that most of the incredible innovation they've got came from some of those amazing forward thinking people. I'll need yep. to do it again. So that takes yep, us to halftime, sure. buddy. I don't think yep. I saw a halftime topic. Your uh, when, when you when you did your, your pre your pre show today. I got it. I got it. I have one that I was going to drop, <clears throat> um, but I'm going to save it for next week. And it, it came to fruition when my kids were home from college, and it's all about uh, technology. So I'm putting that one aside till next week. Um, but uh, I got a okay. I got a good one here. So you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, so my, mine's mine's cool. pretty straightforward. You know, uh, being home for quite a while, you end up watching what everybody else watches. And in my house full of women, it's a lot of reality TV and I can get sucked into it like anybody else. I have been wondering, Doug, however, why no one has done a reality TV show on a global forwarding operation. Why no one mm -hmm. has, has put cameras in one of our offices one thing is we we curse a lot, at least everywhere I've ever worked. You know, the language is pretty rough, but there's a lot of drama that goes on in these offices. And there's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff, like a lot. And um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's boring as hell, too. But especially in my part of the office where customs happens. But, you know, the rest of the business is nuts. And I've, I've wondered in the personalities we have in this business, why hasn't anyone done it? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it would be a survivor type of theme, right? Where you, you get uh, you, you take people out of their element. And I think there's one going on right now on Fox that is like special forces or something. We get the best characters uh, that are well known in our industry. We, we pit them together and we throw put them in situations, um, you know, a phone bank with an irate customer. And you have to explain why you can't stop a train in the middle of Wyoming 
to get their shit off mm. of the back of the pl- uh, uh, of the train yeah. and uh, put them in, in yeah. scenarios. I just can't figure out what the physical challenges would be that would be relevant to our industry. It's not like welding or or uh, or whatever. Maybe you got to sail a boat across a, a a small pond or something without it being tipped over. I don't know. I'll give you two responses to that, Doug. First of all, I think the physical one would be, can you, can you drink 35 beers and still manage to close a deal? Um, and then secondly, yeah. rather, rather than, than take us and put us in situations, we should do something like a Donald Trump, um, you know, you're fired. I forget the name of his show. Um, oh, Apprentice. The Apprentice. We should, the Apprentice. We should take famous people and make them work in forwarding. And, uh, you know, have have someone like me who's just an absolute jackass fire one of them every week. Like, you know, could you imagine someone like Nolan Paul or or like Paris Hilton working in a forwarding office, how long that would last? I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, that's it. I think you nailed it. Bring in pseudo celebrities, B and C list celebrities and uh, put them through the ringer. And I love the, uh, you know, we'll do. At least something like a uh, a beer bong that they uh, that they got a a beer funnel they'll have to chug down in, in X number of times. I love it. We just got to figure out anybody out there, yeah, that knows some good you know producers and figure out how to green light this thing. We're all in. We can script it. Oh yeah, get get some twenty yeah. something that's on TikTok all the time, having their head screamed off by someone angry in China, and like not even in English, just someone screaming at <laughs> in the Mandarin. 15 minutes non-stop they don't give him a chance to talk some really like i'll tell you right now doug you've you haven't been yelled at yet until some woman in in uh like hong kong or in shanghai is very upset with you for like the second time and you are you are doomed like that's the kind of angry uh, wow i the number of times i've been humiliated to the point of almost tears by by a chinese woman Oh, like you want to talk about growing up fast in this industry. Like I never wanted to have that call again. I didn't screw up that twice. I'll tell you that right now. So yeah, some, yeah. some TikTok star who's, you know, um, counting their, their followers on the phone, getting their head ripped off. I think that would be a lot of, that'd be great television, man. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. All right, man. All right, what you got done? So, um, yeah. So what kicks off uh, today is the infamous, consumer electronics show the ces out in vegas and um i was listening on the on the drive into work today about some of the crazy stuff going on there's i think a hundred thousand it's not quite as big as it is pre-covid or it was as pre-covid but hundred thousand uh, attendees and ungodly amount of just random uh a type of thing so here is a list of uh five of the craziest ces inventions it's kind of like I put down uh, to say it's a list of shit that nobody really needs, but um, they're trying to, <laughs> to uh, pump it in Vegas. So first one, a self-driving baby stroller. Uh, yeah, I said that self-driving baby stroller. I'm not even going to comment on that. You can just see how wow. inappropriate and crazy that is. Um, this one's kind of cool. It's a health tech toilet puck that you would drop into a, a, a urinal. And it can provide health feedback by tracking your urine and give you give you thoughts on what you should be doing uh, to improve your health. Um, this one is probably for the top 0.1%, the one percenters out there. It's a kitchen cutting board 
with a 13 inch display that um, you can buy for $700 and you can have a $40 a month subscription fee that will provide recipe ideas and cooking classes. And, and this is important, Pete, you can disconnect um, the monitor so you can clean it up appropriately. So I, I don't even know what that is. A breathable pillow would be the fourth one that I, that I saw, which seems incredibly creepy. Um, there's also a snoring pillow that will literally push your face to the other side of your pillow when, when snoring starts to happen. And then um, inline uh, electric skates, which is kind of like the e-bike uh, kicker. But the one they showed is this battery pack was like a fanny pack that you had to wear around your midsection. And it was hardwired, of all things, down your leg uh, to the skates uh, to, to make you, uh, move forward. And Pete, the one thing I was thinking of is that maybe the Boston Bruins should look into something like this, um, with, with, uh, ice skates to improve their performance for this year, because I'm not sure think they're doing very well. I don't know, but, um, anyway, cameras, artificial intelligence, really cool stuff. So I'd encourage our audience, go Google some of these crazy things out there that are being schlepped around and, and, uh, give us your feedback. Right, well, first of all, Doug, um, you clearly don't pay attention to hockey because they're blowing away any record for points. Like if, if, if the season ended today, they would have won. They would have more points than any other team in NHL history. They're, they're kicking the ever-loving dog shit out of every team they play. So settle down. Uh, and, right. and second of all, I, I think this idea of a puck that is – I'm trying to think about how, so, so what I put it in, in the toilet and then it's every time I pee, it's doing a urine screen for me. Yeah. You got to pee on it first and then it'll tell you if you're low in electrolytes, um, you know, give you a health assessment. You can connect it to your watch, uh, or your, uh, you know, there's an app connected to the hockey puck and, uh, it'll give you all kinds of good stuff. You just got to make sure to aim appropriately or the whole thing just doesn't work. True. Yeah, true. Um, I, I love doodads and gadgets and whatnots. So I think this stuff is fascinating. I don't see the point in it. I, you know, that yeah. great example of self-driving baby carriage, what kind of a wingnut puts their kids something that's self-driving? I'm sure there's more to it than that. Uh, I remember yeah. having a conversation with my ex-father-in-law. Uh, it passed a long time ago. But when I had my first camera phone, he said, what kind of a moron needs a phone on their camera? And um, I, I, I tried very hard to explain the concept to him when I first got one, but it was pointless. So maybe at some point someone's going to say, well, of course, you're going to have a urinal puck that explains, you know, I mean, what kind of idiot wouldn't want that? But right now I am, I, I, like, I can't imagine caring that much about my electrolytes and, you know, my, my blood sugar that I've got to pee yeah. in a whatever dude like but you you kind of glossed over the point here the the consumer electronics show Doug you know there's two parts to that pal I don't I don't know if you're aware of this Doug but it's also it's also the largest adult industry gathering in the world Say that again The consumer electronics show is also the largest collection and gathering of adult entertainers in the adult industry so one drives the other, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm -hmm. And the CES is also when all those people. So I, when you first said you were going to talk about the CES, I did not know where this was going to go. I didn't know if you were about to start 
introducing some very fascinating, not safe for work discussion points, but that's actually a bigger part of the CES than the actual consumer electronics show. So um, mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating well, that, you know that, Doug. You, you really are just I, a good old fashioned sweetheart from, from Prairie Boy, aren't you, Doug? I know. Well, that comment right there yeah. is a microcosm of this show, Pete. I try to keep it straight and lean, and you just come up with these crazy ideas. I guess it makes sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe we should just leave, leave it at that. <laughs> I guess we will, pal. Uh, so that right. was uh, that was halftime brought to you by our good friends at Cap Logistics, who probably didn't need to know about what the Consumer Electronics Show was really all about. But uh, if to learn more about Cap Logistics, please check them out at caplogistics.com. And uh, why don't you take us into the second half, Mr. Draper? All right. So um, one of the predictions that we had just a couple of weeks ago for 2023 was overcapacity in a lot of uh, transportation modes. One of them was uh, was in the air freight space. Um, I think in 20, I don't think what happened in 2022 is everybody and their dog wanted to buy an airplane and start throwing uh, a freight on there because uh, it just like the C.H. Robinson discussion, you know, everybody was uh, a rising tide raises all ships and uh, let's try to put some more capacity in the air and, and go, go, go. And my concern at that time was, uh, yeah, where's all this capacity uh, uh, not going to go, but it's going to be over. There's going to be overcapacity because everybody's trying to get to the game as fast as possible. Well, just the other day, FedEx announced um, that they are going to help fill that void and they're going to outsource more of their cargo planes in um, their ongoing cost-cutting measures. So that immediately thought to myself, Pete, and as, a, as sales guys that we've been involved with our entire career, sometimes I find that providing services to service providers can be very stable, predictable, and profitable, right? Um, for a couple different reasons. It's stable because you know there's ongoing business. You're not trying to go out and try to sell individual transactions. Uh, and the uh, the unit price may be a little bit lower, so to speak, but the predictability makes it uh, a pretty good business. And the company you're providing the service to is in the industry and kind of gets it. So if things go wrong, you're one one step removed from the end customer who's not screaming at you, which we can go into um, on the um, on the show that we're going to bring to the airwaves. But um, I, I think that this will be a trend. I don't think FedEx is going to go back um, to owning more aircraft. It will continue to um, uh, diversify or divest, divest. There you go. Uh, some of their assets that the, the one. Um, so my point is, is that the capacity that's there, FedEx is doing a decent job of absorbing some of that capacity. And we talked about how the air freight industry would pivot faster than others to, um, fix the capacity issue. So is FedEx alone going to fill the void? Nope. But I think it's a, a good bellwether indicator of uh, a lot of uh, companies and service providers uh, continuing to outsource their assets and, and get rid and get out of the uh, owning aircraft business. Uh, the one thing that could throw a wrench in that, Pete, is I don't know if these companies are just going to buy FedEx planes um, and it's a pretty seamless, or are they going to try to insert the assets that they have banknotes on and, and everything else and really flip it upside down. So um, it's been a fast pivot. Uh, it will have an implication. I don't know how great it will. 
um, in the overall picture, but it is noticeable and is important to make mention of here on global trade this week. So I don't know what's your take about uh, FedEx doing some outsourcing that will help gobble up the uh, air freight uh, excess capacity. Well, they're they're a monster, right? They're like the eight hundred pound gorilla. So whenever mm-hmm. whenever you see them get involved like that, that's that's definitely it's it's something to to notice, and it's going to have reverberations. You know, a friend of the show, Brandon Freed, with uh, the Air Forwarders Association, he posted on LinkedIn a couple. I think it was last week. Amazon has such lowered capacity that they're actually going to be selling space, just selling space on those planes that they bought. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if if that's another situation where some of these some of these large integrators like FedEx and UPS and DHL are going to buy it up. It would make sense, right? So as mm-hmm. as air carriers and particularly aircraft manufacturers see this as an opportunity to ratchet down production or put production in a different different places, I, I think um, we're going to see more of this, not less of it, Doug. And they're they're going to do what they can to use existing assets, not get tied up in them financially on paper, but buy space where they can rather than buying aircraft. So I think we're going to see more of it, Doug, not less. Yeah, agreed. All right, Pete, bring us home. Final topic of the show. Yeah, this one's kind of making my head hurt, man. And and I'm, I am admittedly, I'm still gathering my thoughts on this one. So this one's sort of still a thought soup, bud. But the... There's a bunch of, of different you know, freight waves. A bunch of different people have got information about this. Journal of Commerce. I even saw something on the Wall Street Journal. The ever-present apparent lack of drivers and trucks, it doesn't appear to be such a problem now. So there appears to be, quote-unquote, enough capacity. Like there's, there's enough truck drivers. So that problem apparently is solved. Um, the, you know, the, the bell that we ring constantly that we need more drivers and there's not enough trucks and blah, 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 blah. Everyone, psh, don't worry about it. It's all good. Settle down. And, um, you know, this time last year, I'm sure if we rolled the tape back, we were probably freaking out about drivers. And this is so indicative of, of our, our entire industry. As soon as things get quieter, we figure, well, that problem's solved rather than understanding the underlying problem about why at times of, of infrastructure stress, we don't have enough infrastructure, whether it's physical or human resourced. Just because we have enough drivers to deal with demand now, doesn't mean that we'll have enough drivers to deal with demand if we have even what, a five, 10% increase? We'll be back in the same problem with the same stresses, financial and human resource side that we had just six mm-hmm. months ago. So rather than all of us running around saying, well, all right, you know, smacking our hands together, saying problem solved, pat each other on the back. I think instead we should say, now that things have calmed down and quieted down a little bit, what lessons can we learn to try to apply to this so that we can ramp it up when we have a problem again? I think it's just one of those other instances, Doug, where we're proving yet again how short-sighted our industry is. And I, I hate that the press is buying into it. Yeah. Well, it's a good, uh, it's a good story. First of all, I can't agree with you more, tr- truly, right? It's it's an ongoing problem, and, and we are in a valley um, where it doesn't seem so bad. But the problem is, and, and here's an analogy, because you're, you're good at these, Pete, so I'm going to give it a shot here, right? So um, mountain biking, I love, love to mountain bike. I go with a group of people. Uh, they're always ahead of me. 
we're about the same um, uh, level of fitness. Um, long story short, one of the guys said, I'm going to watch you ride up this hill and I'll give you some feedback. So I did. And immediately he said, here's your problem. You're looking 15 feet in front of you and you need to look 50 feet ahead of you. So one five in front or five zero ahead is the 15 feet in front of you. All you're doing is reacting to the moment and it, 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 it leads to a uh, not enjoyable ride. You can't ride as fast and you don't have as much control. And so I think what this industry does time and again, not only with trucking, but in general, is we're looking at 15 feet in front of us because we have so much going on um, that, like you said, hey, this problem's now officially solved. Well, it may be in a valley and it may be a little bit better, but I think the key that you said, Pete, is let's use it as lessons to figure out what, uh, what we can do. Because uh, if we continue to look the 15 feet in front of us, and not the 50 feet ahead of us, we're going to be having this exact same cyclical conversation in 12 to 18 months. And I'll tell you what, autonomous trucking and long haul autonomous is um, not going to solve the problem because that's decades out. And so the reality of that saying, oh, another year or two, we won't have any humans behind the wheel. That's completely in, inaccurate information. And I'll, I'll uh, talk to anybody about that one. So 100% agree with you, Pete. Yeah, you're going to die on that hill, huh? Drones and autonomous trucks. You're, you are yep. <laughs> just full of all kinds of hate. But now, Doug, I, yeah, I, wish, so. I wish that there was, there was somebody in this industry that had enough heft that could get the powers that be to just sit down and say, we're going to come up with a plan to constantly have people trained in these sorts of jobs like pilots, like, like vessel operators, like truck drivers so that when the time arises, we can call them into service. And I, I don't know why we, we haven't been able to overcome that. Maybe it's just mm -hmm. part of our system yeah. as an economy, but yeah. it really is frustrating. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, Pete, I think we've uh, checked the box on the first official show of 2023. Um, I wanna thank you for signing up for another, uh, at least, couple of months, I don't know, sign up. We're just going to keep rolling with this thing as long as people will listen and, and not taking us down on the airways. And that group would be Cap Logistics. And I hope that they don't. And I hope they enjoy the content that you and I bring. And I hope our audience enjoys the content as well. So one down, many more to go. Uh, I want to thank all of you for listening to us uh, on Global Trade this week. I can't see you, Pete, so I, I'll do a thumbs up or something, but I don't know if you're doing it the same. You could be flipping me off as far as I know, but um, I want to thank Never. you for being my wingman and uh, look forward to a great 2023. Likewise, buddy. Have a great week. See everybody next week. All right. Take care.